It's time for It's a Crime to dig beneath the surface and into the criminal mind. These are stories of people who aren't who we thought they were. People who turned to the dark side and chose betrayal and bloodshed. Your host, Margaret McLean, is a former prosecutor and author of True Crime Mystery. This is her world. I'm your host, Margaret McLean. Thank you for listening. I'm back on air with a dark and twisted missing persons investigation that I fear will unravel a tale of betrayal and murder. This case hits so close to home because it took place in the town next door to where I live and involves a young family who could be my neighbors or yours. As a busy criminal prosecutor, I've had many high-profile trials. I've always been fascinated with the criminal mind and how cases are solved. Yet this one goes deeper and feels personal. Let's delve right in. This case is about Anna Walsh. Right now, she's missing. With all my experience, I've never been this close to a case with so many bizarre twists. And the layers, as I peel them back, they become a shade darker and darker and darker until I'm telling you they turn downright sinister. First and foremost, who is Anna Walsh? Anna is a beautiful, very put-together, smart, 39-year-old, married mother of three young children. We'll learn a lot more about Anna as we go along. So Anna allegedly heads out of her house in Cohasset, Massachusetts. It's very early, her bags are packed. She's on her way to Washington, D.C. She's got some kind of work emergency that she has to attend to. She's a real estate investment manager at Tishman Speyer. So after she heads out, she vanishes. She disappears. Nobody hears from her again. We'll call that day one. Now it's also day one of 2023, New Year's Day. You know, a day that should mark new beginnings, resolutions, and goals. I wonder how Anna rang in the new year. Did she watch the ball drop in Times Square? Did she toast with champagne? Did she have resolutions? Maybe we'll never know. And that's sad. So January 2nd rolls around. It's a Monday. We'll call it day two. Nobody hears from Anna. Not her kids, family, or friends. Absolutely nothing. If you called her phone, it would go straight to voicemail. Life goes on in Cohasset. As usual. As I mentioned before, I live in the next town over, only about three minutes away in Situate. So my friend Lori Langenhangen is a longtime resident of Cohasset, and I asked her to provide you with a description of the setting. I've lived in Cohasset for about 25 years. It's a wonderful little town. Um, it's a seaside town, it's very safe. 
And you end up knowing a lot of people in town. Not everybody. It's not so small that you know everybody. But I would say, I feel like each time I go to the dump or I go to the grocery store, I usually run into somebody. So it has a nice homey feel. You get the gist. Cohasset is a quaint New England coastal town. And it's hard to believe that it's been 36 hours, a whole 36 hours, and nobody's heard a thing from Anna Walsh. It really makes you wonder, did anybody get suspicious? Friends? Family? Did anybody call the police? Let's check out the dispatch logs at the station. As I read the logs, I don't see any reports for a missing woman on January 1st or 2nd. There was a goose in the middle of the road. Goose cleared. Somebody else called reporting the homicide of a deer. Investigation concluded. Coyote attack. Then there was a chicken coop on fire. Oh, I like this one. Caller rats out a party and claims she saw someone lighting something up in their car. I kind of thought that was legal. Bottom line, no missing person reported. No news of Anna. Then January 3rd rolls around. It's a Tuesday. I'll call that day three. Nothing on Anna. Nobody reported her missing. I'm sure you're all thinking, wait a minute, something's really off here. Why isn't her husband, whose name is Brian, by the way, why didn't he start calling and asking, hey, have you heard from my wife, Anna? Her phone goes right to voicemail. She hasn't called me or the kids since she left early in the morning on New Year's Day. I'm getting really worried. Wouldn't you think he'd be absolutely frantic at this point? Wouldn't he have definitely called the police? And their little boys all under the age of seven. They must have been asking, why hasn't mommy called over and over and over? Where's mommy? Where's mommy? Why hasn't she called? Here's Kate Barkham sharing her thoughts. Um, I think it was really odd how she wasn't in touch with her family because under normal circumstances, she would definitely, you know, be in touch with her husband based on her social media posts with all her kids and and they seem like a happy family, so I think it's really odd that they would just go no contact um, for three days. I agree with Kate. That's very suspicious. How does anyone go missing for three days without anyone knowing she's missing? Well, perhaps someone knew and had a reason to remain silent. Kate also mentioned Anna's social media accounts. She often posts on Facebook and Instagram with her husband, kids, co-workers. It looks like she has the perfect life, always smiling, and the perfect family to go with it. But we all know social media can be very deceiving. Let's move on to day four. Finally, Anna was reported missing. And I wonder, by whom? I'll go right to the source and check out the Cohasset Police Dispatch Logs again. Okay, I'm scrolling down through the log, and here it is right here. 11.44 a.m. on January 4th. Somebody calls in to the Cohasset Police. It says, Caller requesting a wellness check on an Ann Walsh, 38 years of age. Reporter states he is the head of security for the company party works for, Tishman Spire. Party lives in Cohasset and works in Washington, D.C. Her car is in Washington, last seen on Friday. Company has contacted the husband, 
he has not filed a missing person report on female. Security officer knows nothing about the female, no reason to think she is in danger or ill. All right, it sounds to me like Anna didn't show up to work on January 4th. That's very odd. What happened to the emergency work issue on January 1st? Maybe that wasn't true at all. Perhaps she never even left for work at that point. Did she even have her bags packed? I wanted to get another person's perspective on all of this, so I asked my friend Lori, and this is what she had to say. Her emergency quote-unquote meeting in D.C. was extremely strange. I mean, who has an emergency meeting on January 1st, especially in real estate? What's such an emergency? Is somebody going to die if they don't get to buy their house or building or whatever it was that she was selling? That, to me, just sounded a little bit like BS. Yeah, and I wonder who's doing the BSing. I'm sure the police wanted to know, too. So they reach out to the husband, Brian, and he says he hasn't heard from his wife since early morning New Year's Day. I'm wondering, how did she get to the airport? They must have asked him. I wish I was a fly on the wall for that conversation because I'd like to know how he reacted. Did his eyes grow large? Did he register shock? Or did he look away? Next, like in any missing persons case, the police make phone calls, most likely to Anna's friends, to find out if anybody's heard from her in the last several days. They also contact Verizon, her cell phone company, and they request to ping her phone. Now they're looking for the last time it was on and that location. All they had to do was fax a form to the phone company. It's really amazing how quickly the police got that information. And this is what was jotted down in the police log. Last time the phone hit a tower was on January 2nd, 2023 at 3.14 in the morning. Hit the tower on Reservoir Road in Cohasset within 0.24 miles. Wait, I actually have to read that again. They said January 2nd. Her phone pinged on January 2nd. That doesn't make sense because her husband said she's been missing since January 1st and she allegedly went to Washington, D.C. But I'm reading here that her phone just happens to be in Cohasset on January 2nd at 3.14 in the morning. Turned off. That's a whole 21 hours later. So what happened? Did Anna ever get on that airplane, or did she get on the plane and fly back to Cohasset without anyone seeing her at all? If that's the case, why wasn't she in touch with her family? The police share the same concerns, so they make an appeal to the public through all the local media channels by sending out a photograph of Anna with the following caption. Cohasset police seeking missing 39-year-old woman. Last seen early New Year's Day. I remember the exact moment I saw that. I was making a salad and glanced up at the TV. There was Anna gazing back at me. Her image is burned into my mind, but I'm not sure if my description will do her justice. I'm not exaggerating here, but Anna really looks like she could have stepped right out of Vogue magazine. She has this very mesmerizing look about her. 
olive complexion, beautiful, flawless skin, and her eyes, they're magnetic, dark, brown, intriguing. Her smile lights up her whole face. And most women would be jealous of her hair. It's long, brown, beautiful golden highlights, exquisite. Anna also appears stylish, upbeat, and fun. Somebody I'd want to hang out with for sure. Let's see what our friend Lori thinks. Well, I think after seeing her Anna's picture and seeing how adorable she was and petite and pretty, I painted a picture in my head that she must have been married to quite a hottie. But I would not say that Brian looked like a hottie. He looked a little bit more like a goober to me. Actually, he looked like a palooka. What's a palooka? Just somebody that's just kind of dopey and not very smart and not attractive. Well, I certainly don't have to describe Brian now. Lori did it for me. Okay, now that we have a better visual of Anna Walsh and her husband, let's go check out the first press conference at the Cohasset Police Station. Let's see what they have to say. It's going to be packed. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for coming. My name is Chief William Quigley. We're looking for, for the public's help and the media's help in locating Anna Walsh. She was last seen at her house in Cohasset on the first of the year in the early morning hours. She took a ride share from her home in Cohasset to Logan Airport to board a plane to go to uh, Reagan International Airport. We have confirmed with the airlines, and that's been a challenge. She did not board a plane this week. She commutes several times a month to and from D.C. They do have a townhouse in D.C. The vehicle is usually left there. Um, the vehicle is in D.C. We're able to confirm that. We've been working with Washington, D.C. Metro Police. They've searched the uh, townhouse. There's no signs of her there. Um, so uh, right now, the, the, the last information we have is that she um, get into a rideshare vehicle in the early morning hours of the first. I see her, was it her husband? He was sleeping when she left. It was, again, it was reported as early morning. Her husband uh, has been fully cooperative. Her family uh, has been cooperative. She has a uh, family that lives outside the country. She has quite a few friends, both here and in Washington, D.C. You know, she has three small kids, the oldest being six, the youngest being two. Uh, the holidays, working out of state, you know, Sometimes life gets chaotic, so, you know, it may be a case where she just needed a break, and if that's the case, we just need a call from her or someone who has talked to her. It's not abnormal for her to, um, you know, work long hours and, and, and not contact the home. The press conference just wrapped up. We learned that Anna did not get on any flight to Washington, D.C. or elsewhere. There are no records of her taking a rideshare. I still have so many questions. Was Anna possibly abducted by an Uber driver? Or somebody posing as an Uber or possibly Lyft driver? Was she having an affair? Did she run away? I mean, anything's possible. Could Anna have had a mental breakdown from the stress? I mean, think about it. Taking a commuter flight... Once a week with three little kids must take a toll on somebody. Was Anna unhappy? I totally get that sometimes people need a break away from it all. Life can be stressful. 
but I've still got to believe Anna would be in touch with those three young children. In the meantime, the police have intensified their search for Anna by setting up a command center. It's just across the street from her home in Cohasset. I'm going to go and see if I can learn anything. I just got the following statement from Cohasset Police Press Liaison Justin Schreer at the command center. Police are continuing to search uh, along with our Massachusetts State Police partners. They also have canines that are assisting in that search. There are two other sectors that police are searching today. So what does that ground search entail? One of the most experienced canine handlers out there is Bobby Delito from the Brockton PD. I recently attended a canine training session and ride-along with Bobby, so he'll be on this episode and the next one to explain how the dogs search for missing people, cadavers, and suspects. As a start, I asked Bobby if the dogs are trained in a specific law enforcement field, and this is what he had to say. So there's detection dogs, narcotics, uh, firearms, explosives, um, where they don't do patrol work, they're just doing detection for these scents. And then there's the cadaver dogs that do that also, right? Uh, They're not doing patrol work, they're out looking for dead bodies. And they're trained on the odors of decaying bodies, the gases and things like that. It's very interesting how these dogs track human odor. Bobby explained that every time your foot steps on a surface, it could be anything, grass, dirt, leaves, it creates ground disturbance. So underneath your foot, it leaves a human odor. As the dog gets closer to the person that is tracking, whether it be a suspect or whether it be a missing person, the human odor is getting stronger and stronger. The ground search for Anna has continued for hours, and so far investigators haven't turned up a thing. Someone close to the investigation just told me they're applying pressure on the husband, Brian Walsh. That means they'll be going over his story, looking for inconsistencies, and watching for body language. I just got another tip that Brian Walsh has a criminal record. So I looked it up and get this one. He was convicted in a federal case in Boston involving the sale of fake Andy Warhol paintings on eBay. Wow, he's awaiting sentencing, so he must be wearing an ankle bracelet. This makes for a very interesting twist. Anna is originally from Serbia, but there's no criminal record on her as far as I can see. I bet the FBI was all over it. They have a special task force because art crime in and of itself is an international multi-billion dollar enterprise these days. So... All sorts of theories come to mind. Were these two mixed up with the wrong people? Was Anna involved at all? Is this why she disappeared? I told you this case has many layers. And here's another one. Brian and Anna Walsh owned a home on one of the wealthiest streets in Cohasset, Jerusalem Road. They sold it within the past year for $1.4 million. That home just went up in flames. Yes, as they're searching for Anna in the woods, her last home is on fire. Wow, this will be a total loss. This is what Chief Quigley had to say at the scene. You know, obviously we're, we're going to look at everything here. Um, you know, very strange coincidence, but, uh, you know, we have the fire marshal's office and our detectives will uh, be uh, assigned here to uh, investigate this fire. 
What will investigators discover when they put out that fire? Will the dogs find evidence in the woods buried under the leaves? Will police execute a search warrant of the Walsh's current home? Will the investigation take a dark turn? The answer is yes. So stay tuned for episode two of the Anna Walsh Missing Persons Case. Again, I'm your host, Margaret McLean. Thank you for listening to It's a Crime.